2: A lot of college action
3: to preview here today on the early line. It's our number two on a Tuesday morning. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside side. Quickly, though, as we take a look at the ACC, another big win last night for the North Carolina Tar Heels. They beat FSU 77-66. A dominant first half for North Carolina really is what led the charge here for this team. R.J. Davis playing really well. 19 points uh, was their leading scorer Do we have an idea as to how much this UNC game helped them? And they've got still one more game to go in the ACC regular season that a massive one at home against Duke. It does still feel like this is going to come down to UNC holding serve a little bit for themselves here in the ACC tournament. And I don't know if they're going to be able to lock up anything really before that point.
4: No, I don't think so either, because they're teetering on that bubble. Now, it's nice. The Virginia win was really good for them. They needed that to get on that bubble or maybe just mm-hmm. into the tournament. The Florida State game, this isn't the old Florida State teams here where they were very, very good. They're 7-12 in the ACC, 9-21 overall. You're supposed to go on the road and beat Florida State. But now, when you have that game lined up against Duke, that's a quality victory that you can get at home. And then you just can't flame out in the ACC tournament. And what I mean by flame out is, Kevin, like lose the BC like round one or whatever it might be. win a game in the ACC tournament. That's going to be tough to keep North Carolina because as much as we like to say it's all about what happens on the court, stop the madness. If Carolina's on the bubble, it's good for college basketball if they're in the tournament. The same thing would be said about Duke as well. They'll bring the eyeballs. They would. I don't know if we have a... Here's the thing, though. We don't have a massive
3: history of, oh, this is what happens when Duke's on the bubble, when UNC's on the bubble. They're not usually on the bubble. So... They have to certainly handle their business. Speaking of Duke, they are in action tonight. We'll start, though, with Virginia and Clemson, as Virginia could certainly use a victory here. Their past couple of results have not been what this team has grown accustomed through throughout this season. Luckily for them, they are back home. They're a a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Clemson and a total in the exact range that you would anticipate here, 129-and-a-half.
4: Yeah. And if what I'm looking at here, Kevin, is I know this is going to disappoint you more so than a side, which I do think Virginia should be able to pick up this victory sooner or later. You have to stop the bleeding, but I know so many times you look towards Virginia to go with an over the total type game. This one screams in under the total, which means Virginia gets back to what they doing best playing pack line defense, but also Kevin, if you take a look at the way that you're Virginia point distribution here, you want to try to score down low, not elite three point shooters. And also they don't shoot a ton of three point shots, which actually Clemson will allow you to shoot. It's going inside the paint. Number one in defense inside the paint from a percentage perspective, forty-five percent. That's Clemson. This game is going to probably play it at a snail's pace here, a rock fight here. I do think Virginia wins, but I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game enough to get that bad boy into the one-thirties and cash that ticket.
3: Look, that's well, that's never what you want to hear. I mean, lately, here's the deal. I get it. It it would be impossible for all Virginia games to go towards the over. Uh, Their last game against UNC did make its way over the number, which was nice to see. Clemson has been an over team throughout this year and certainly on the road if you're looking to back a trend. But not super surprised that some Cavalier numbers point you Towards that under. The other big ACC game tonight does involve the Duke Blue Devils, who we were discussing a little bit. They are a 7.5 point favorite at home. The total for this game is 145. Let's make sure we get this radio audience in the fold here, though, on a Tuesday morning. Kevin Wall's right side of the early line, Sirius XM, Channel 159. Duke, NC State, Duke perfect straight up at home. Can they keep that alive here in their final home game?
4: Should be able to do that, and also you have to remember some games are bigger than others. Do they, they want to beat NC State? Sure, look at that—it's an in, you know, conference slash mm-hmm. in-state battle. Well, Kevin, there's a bigger one on the horizon, as you just said. It's Duke North Carolina to end the season in Chapel Hill. I'm not saying the Duke Blue Devils are going to look past NC State by any stretch here at this point, but also you're taking a look at NC State that plays with a little bit of tempo. Duke used to play with more tempo than they do now when they did under Coach K. They'll win this basketball game, but I'm also going to play this game towards the under because I do think one of those eyes is still pointing towards playing UNC to finish up the ACC schedule. And also, mm-hmm. we talk about so many times in the past, too. You remember, like, Coach K's last game. You know who beat him in Coach K's last game? Carolina. How great would Duke love it? Like, hey, you guys are on the bubble. See you off the bubble by knocking you out. Payback is certainly fantastic to try to watch that play out. I do think Duke wins, stays under the total.
3: Yeah, I don't know if people will... I I know I will always remember K's last ever home game lost to North Carolina. You're like, man, Mm -hmm. like he lost his final game against UNC. And then he got a rematch in the tournament in the final four and lost again. So, yeah, (laughs) Duke certainly could use some revenge, Donnie, against UNC to try and knock him off a bubble. I don't know if it will amount the defining character of your program lost to his biggest rival in his basically two major final games, if you will. But Duke certainly can give it their best. Just to give people an idea, though, it's a packed night in the ACC. Syracuse at home against Georgia Tech is going to lay 8.5 points, total around 145. Wake, very similar numbers as their favorite over Boston College. And then this useless Louisville team, and they're 4-25 straight up. I can't even believe the number. I mean, they're catching 10.5 in their own building here. Against Votek, can we get Louisville to crash the ACC tournament? Donnie, is there any chance they can win that thing? Make out, a run, right?
4: exactly. It'd be back a sixteen Patino, seed. Get all the boys together. This just no. Let's not. You know what? They can have
3: Patino as far as I'm concerned. A lot more to preview on the college slate. We'll be right back.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort
1: reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh,
3: As I said, there's a lot of college basketball that needs to be previewed for tonight's slate. And we've got just the men to help us do that. Of course, Donnie Wrightside, with me here on this Tuesday morning. DRS Marquette is where we start off. They're a road favorite of nine and a half here at Butler. Total for this one, 142 and a hook. This is a Marquette team. For me, it feels a little out of nowhere to just look at the sixth. I know Marquette's been good. They've been been there all season long, but it caught me a little bit by surprise to see the freshest AP poll. But they've been handling their business, and they're going to look to do so again here against Butler.
4: Yeah, rising to eight and a half before the show started out. So now going even higher. And I tend to agree with it here. When you take a look at Marquette and Big e's play, number one overall in efficiency on offense, number one in effective field goal percentage, and also the thing I love the most, number one at not turning the basketball over. Now, when you try to take a look at where these games make some sense, they do shoot the three-point shot at a pretty decent clip here, Kevin. 36% as a team, but where they really get after it is inside the paint, close to 58%. And why does that match up against Butler's defense? Well, Butler is 10th at defense inside the arc. Points should be easy to come by for Marquette, but not the case here for Butler. 11 teams, as we say, in the Big East, they're 11th in efficiency, 11th in effective field goal percentage. They don't get to the free throw line. They don't shoot the three very well or inside the paint. My goodness, nothing matches up for Butler here. As much as we like to say in college basketball, you're crazy sometimes for betting road teams here. I agree with that line. Marquette should win this game by double digits.
3: And Marquette has been one of the exceptions to the rule all season long. They are five and one against the spread as a road favorite, which you consider how many teams DRS have even been favored in six road games, right? Not a ton of them. And then to hold that kind of a record, look, there's a few teams out there. Hofstra's got a six and one Mark outside of that. There's, there's not much better. And, and, you know, look, Hofstra, obviously that's impressive, but you were talking about playing in the Big East there. Marquette's delivered in this spot time and time again. To go over to the Big Ten, then, we've got Indiana and Iowa playing an important one in that conference. Indiana is a five-and-a-half point favorite at home, big-time total here, 154-and-a-half. Maybe that total has your eye.
4: Yeah, it does have my eye because we should get some points in this game. But having said that, you take a look at both of these teams bunched up there in the Big Ten. Iowa ten and eight on the season in Big Ten play. Indiana eleven and seven. But as we know, three and seven on the road here for Iowa. Fourteen and one at home here for Indiana. Where does this game match up? Well, Iowa reminds me a lot of a Big Twelve team here, like Baylor. Number one on offense and efficiency in conference play, but absolutely terrible on defense overall. 13th in efficiency and 14th dead last in effective field goal percentage. When you want to take a look at a team of where they defend, Kevin, they don't defend anywhere. 14th in conference play defending from the three-point shot and 14th also at defending inside the arc. Now, that's a bad thing because you're talking about you don't defend at the rim. How about Indiana? Point distribution in Big, 12, Big Ten conference play, number one overall inside the arc. That's going to play well against Iowa. We'll get points tonight, but you know what? I think Indiana handles their business. Even though we have the propensity to look at Iowa and like, hey, man, they could score 100 points. I get it. Indiana should score time and time again. They're at home where they play well. Indiana gets the victory. I'm not going to say, oh, Iowa can stay within the total. No, if I think Indiana wins this game, I think they cover it as well.
3: I really want to see how the props develop for this game here. Trace Jackson-Davis is coming off of a lackluster game against Purdue. Just 10 points, only 4 of 8 from the field. Hood mm-hmm. Sheffino was on fire, though, and he deferred in that game, and it led to a big-time win at Purdue. Earlier in the year, he saw Iowa, gave him a 30 ball there on 11 of 20 shooting. It's now two games in a row where uh, we've seen Trace not be able to get to 20-plus. I want to see what that number is tonight here against Iowa. with a total at 154 and a half home it's the kind of game that you would expect him to play very very well in moving it forward then we've got Kansas in action one of the best teams of course in college basketball in their home building tonight are going to lay nine to Texas Tech the Red Raiders certainly could use an upset victory here when we talk about bubble
4: teams right now though uh, it's certainly not favored to go that way yeah, keep in mind also Kansas with a win tonight will clinch up at least a tie for the Big Big 12 regular season championship. So this game does mean a lot. Some people look at this and say, hey, look at that. They're going to play Texas Tech, who isn't very good. Look at who they have on their schedule next. Maybe they have an eye focused on that one, which they might, but they'll handle their business tonight. The one thing that we do know at the Fog, they don't lose all that much. 13-2 on the season. Excuse me, 14-1 on the season here. 12-4 overall in conference play. But looking from a Texas Tech offensive perspective here. It doesn't look very good. If you're looking for a team that likes to score inside the paint, which Texas Tech does, how about Kansas's defense? Kevin, number one in conference play at defending at the rim, only giving up 46% here. If I'm looking from a game perspective, it is a high number. Minus nine and a half for Tech, for excuse me, for Kansas, before they have to go on the road and maybe clinch the conference out right here, I'm going to stay away from the nine and a half and say, you know what? They'll play mm-hmm. really good defense against Texas Tech. So maybe a Texas Tech team total under makes the the most sense here
3: and that's probably the safe decision there as kansas despite being as good as they are just six and nine against the number in their own building this season that's of course the product of laying those big time numbers like they are here tonight we've also got tennessee in action here against arkansas the vols up to number 12 in the country right now, as they are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Razorbacks here. Tennessee has been up and down, but they, after a two-game losing streak, smashed South Carolina 85-45. Again, this game's supposed to be much, much closer here. Is that what you're expecting?
4: Yeah, Tennessee should be able to win this game. You see that total, 134 and a half. You go, boy, Arkansas is really up-tempo. Well, that just shows you Tennessee will slow you down and play absolutely elite defense here. If we're trying to line up the two, Tennessee, number two in conference play, defending from the three-point line, number two at defending inside the arc. Now, Arkansas, what do they like to do, Kevin? Point distribution in the SEC, they're actually the number one offense at scoring inside the arc at close to 60% of their points come from there. But how about this, 11th in point distribution distribution. distribution on defense which means they don't let you score that much Tennessee inside the arc that's what they do well so just like the game we talked about here just to keep it short and sweet Tennessee should win the game but I really think that defense is going to get ratcheted up here against Arkansas I'll take an Arkansas team total under even though they do try to play with a bit of tempo but this game will not be played at Arkansas's level it's going to be played at Tennessee's level
3: understandable they have also been good at home this season covering numbers as well there's two more to get to one of them is the DRS special that's likely where mm-hmm. we will open up our next segment what we'll get to right now here is a big game in the Mountain West between San Diego State and Boise State San Diego State is number 18 in the country but they're on the road which means they're catching points here from the Broncos. Light number, though. It's just two points, but still, you see here a ranked team catching a number on the road. Total for this one is 134.5.
4: Yeah, we're going to take a look at the total there at 134.5. Kevin, we're actually going to go under the total in this one. Two really good teams, Mm. San Diego State coming in at 14-2 in conference play and also Boise State at 12-4. Where do these teams match up? Where is it going to be the most fun? How about San Diego State, number one in efficiency in conference play, but how about this on defense? Boise State's defense, number one in efficiency in conference play. Also, Boise State doesn't foul. If you like to make the three-point shot, what San Diego State does at close to 38% of his team, number two in conference play defending the three-point line is Boise State also you take a look at free throw percentage there 72% is a team from San Diego State which is okay 74% for Boise State which is a little bit better but also San Diego State's defense here number one in effective field goal percentage Kevin if you like to make the three-point shot this isn't the team to do it against. Now, how about this? They're eighth in conference play at letting you shoot the three-point shot, but number one at shutting you down only 28% makes there from behind three-point range. These two teams are really good. They'll do battle. It's going to be a close game. I'm sitting on the under in this one. And look, this, again, I know
3: it doesn't jump off the page, but to give people an idea, San Diego State is 16th on Ken Palm. Boise State is 26th. So this is a high-level matchup here in the Mountain West for two teams that you would anticipate will be playing in the NCAA tournament there. It's a good test, certainly, for both of them right now, uh, as they do appear to be the clear two best teams in this conference. We do have one, one more game left to get to in the college basketball side of things, and it's I have a feeling it's going to be a really, really fun Woo-hoo. one to break down for the people, plus a lot of NBA action to break down as well. The
2: early line is live right here on this Tuesday morning. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like hey we came to play did you tip your tiara to a creole princess or get goofy officially when we come through it's true magic because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort
3: Where in the wonderful world of college basketball does Tawny Rightside have us going? Man, oh man. DRS, Queens versus Kennesaw State. Now, listen, if you're bringing up Queens University, which uh-huh. I believe has absolutely zero to do with the most magical place in this world, Queens, but. Uh, I expect no slander and this to be all positivity here. You tell me
4: what's the deal <clears throat> little Ace on action. You're right. So we're looking at Queens College. Most people say, where exactly is that? It's actually outside the Queen City in Charlotte here. So that makes some sense. It's not Mm -hmm. one of the bottom boroughs in New York City. But having said that, let's move on to the game and have some fun with this. It's a very good one here. This is tournament play. Queens actually won yesterday, Kevin. And as we know in tournament play, when you're a bottom feeder in your conference, you must win, win multiple games in multiple days here and then do it on the opponent's home court because Kennesaw State, a much better basketball team here, They are going to be home in Kennesaw state that is in the state of Georgia. If we look at the game itself, Kennesaw is 15 and 3, Kevin, in conference play. Very good. Both of these teams play with tempo. Now, Queens defense, 11th in conference play at of 14. Not very good. Kennesaw is number 2, but there are some effective ways here, which I do think Queens can try to exploit Kennesaw's defense. Number 1, getting to the free throw line. There's 14 teams, as I said, in a Sun conference play. They're 13th at fouling. Queens is actually number 2 at getting to the line, which is great, but also from 3-point range, Queens 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 loves to shoot the three ball, Kevin. close to 45% of their shot distribution is from the three-point line. Why is that important? You get to shoot them against Kennesaw. They're 11th in conference play at letting you do that. But also, from a free throw perspective, as we talked about, number one in conference play of point distribution from the free throw line, that is Queens. And as I said, Kennesaw does foul. That might be an avenue there. But flip it over to the other side. Kennesaw State should do whatever they want once again, also with Queens defense. Free throws getting to the line, number one in conference play at getting there. Number two at point distribution from the free throw line. And also if you want to shoot three point shots, Queens really defends and chases you off that line. But if you can shoot at Kevin, they're terrible at defending at close to 40%. Why is that important? You take a look at Kennesaw from three point range. They're 36%, but point distribution down low. Very good. inside the arc. And if you're looking from Queens perspective, they're number two in conference play, Kevin, at letting you score inside the arc. Now, it is a conference game. One team's on a back-to-back. I understand that. I'm going to go with the over in this game because, as we said, this game, when it boils down to the end, if it is close for any reason, they will foul for the extension of close to two minutes, which could help you out. I look at both of these teams raining from three-point land and getting to the free-throw line. Let's go with an over tonight in the A-Sun between Queens and Kennesaw State. Both teams played uh, over
3: two-thirds of their conference games towards the over as well, so it all lines up across the board. Mm -hmm. Shout-out, Queens. Let's get an upset going uh, there for the fellas. We go to the NBA tonight, though. The big game, well, is it the big game? It was going to be the big game. It was going to be Lakers-Grizzlies. Now it's an interesting game. How the Lakers will fare without LeBron James. The Lakers have been able to win their first Two games, though, uh, out of the All-Star break, which has put them in a position where this does not feel do or die. It is interesting how that all works. Had the Lakers lost by 27 points to the Dallas Mavericks and then LeBron James was injured, the vibes around Lakers' Chrisleys would feel much different than they do. But you have Memphis check in as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite And the total for this one is 230 and a half. And if I may, Donnie, a one Ja Moranth once said to the people, I am good in the West. Ja, you, sir, are not good in the West. The Memphis Grizzlies have the third worst cover percentage of any team in the NBA when playing conference opponents. They cover just 36.4% of their games against Western Conference opponents, and the Lakers have covered four of five since the deadline. I think this number is an overreaction to LeBron James being out. I think this 8.5 number is inflated, and I think the Lakers are the side here tonight in Memphis against the Grizzlies.
4: Anticipated starting lineup tonight for those Lakers, Schroeder, Beasley, Brown Jr., Vanderbilt, and Anthony Davis. Now, you know what I need to see after the game? When the Memphis Grizzlies do win, I need Ja to take the mic. I told you about those chump Lakers, man. We're good in the West here. Settles it right now. Do you see that final score? That's what I need to see. But as we know, Kevin, it's not always that easy because if you are a gambler, and if you're a novice gambler or a veteran gambler, these are the games that you love, right? Oh, LeBron James got no way they win. Well, the game is an 18 and a half or 21 and a half as a spread. It's under 10 points. And it's not the first or last time that we would see a team cover and win outright by getting seven and a half, eight and a half points, which is what this game is probably going to line up as you can take two things out of this. The woe is me Lakers, no Russell, probably no LeBron James. What did you want them to do? They might've lost the game anyway, without those, but we see a propensity for the Lakers to hang around. Is this one of those games Kevin, that you take a look and say, okay, can the Lakers win? Uh, sure, they can win the game. Would it be a long shot? Yeah, a little bit of it there. But is this one where you say, well, the Lakers need to come out strong in the first half and at least give it an honest effort to see where they're at in the second? Or is this one of those games where the Memphis Grizzlies come up and just destroy the Lakers because they already have this in their mind as a scheduled loss? That's a tough way to bet. It's one of those games where I won't be playing either way, maybe looking at a prop bet, though, from a Lakers perspective. There's a lot of shots out there that are going to get divvied up between Anthony Davis and Malik Beasley from three-point range. Let's see what happens this one but for me, I'll probably sit this one out. But I do want to see if the Memphis Grizzlies win this game, if Ja tells everybody, I told you we were good in the West.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, he's not. But, hey, John can certainly say what he wants. Quickly, two prop looks I think you should keep your eyes on here. AD's rebounds number, 12 and a half. I half. I've played nine mm-hmm. games without LeBron this season. He's at 14-plus. In eight out of the nine, he averages 15.9 rebounds per game when playing without LeBron James. Dennis Schroeder, his points props 14 and a half. He's gone over that in five out of eight games that he has started for the Lakers this season without LeBron. However, four out of the eight, he's gone for 25 plus, which is better than eight to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook. This might be one of those climb the ladder spots there where you add a number of pieces to the puzzle and try and escalate here throughout this number on Dennis Schroeder, who's had some big games, as you said, Donnie, a lot of shots to go around, big total here against Memphis. It could line up for Dennis Schroeder. We then go over to the Clippers and the Timberwolves here. The L.A. Clippers at home in this game are favored by six against Minnesota. 234 is your total. Rudy Gobert expected to be back for this one for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and if the minutes are full, I think his props could line up. 13 and a half points his last three games going for 21, 17, and 17 uh, in the points column there, as reuniting with Mike Conley has clearly been beneficial to Rudy Gobert. That would be one direction I look tonight for Clippers T-Wolves.
4: Yeah, it should be an interesting one, too, because as we talked about the last game, even though LeBron James is out, you do have a pretty good total in that one. And same thing with the Clippers. When we typically look at the Clippers, you don't really think of get out and run on fast breaks. It's more you're going to play some defense. You got a big center in Zubach. And the same same thing with Rudy Gobert. We're listening at that 234-235 price line, which is awesome, because not necessarily saying to myself the Clippers can win this game and win it outright, which they probably will do. They're favored to do so. But you can get down on some bets. Anthony Edwards, who was rolling along, only scored 12 points in his last outing is that a bounce back effort coming here and also look at the anticipated starting lineup here for the clippers in this one westbrook george leonard morrison Zubac. is this one where russell westbrook can get out is Kawhi leonard here going to put up statistics i do look for a pretty good advantage i think the clippers win and do cover but maybe more profits here from a clippers perspective for me paul george Kawhi leonard in that vicinity
3: look one thing that's a little offsetting here with i think some of these clippers numbers is they've now played two games that have been overtime games back to back double OT against Sacramento and then overtime against Denver also lost both of those games which is also as well taxing a little bit there but when you're trying to line up You are, all look what they've been able to do over the last five. A lot of overtime basketball Mm -hmm. can skew your numbers a little bit. The other big game on this slate tonight, I believe, is Portland and Golden State. Golden State in their own building lays four against the Blazers. Draymond Green expected to play for the first time since the All-Star break here, which I think helps this Golden State number quite a bit. The Warriors have also now played three consecutive unders, which is now for the first time in the uh, calendar year of 2023 we've seen that for golden state 236 is your total what do you want to do with golden state in portland
4: i mean I, I don't even know how you're supposed to play this out and the re-heroes are the angle i'm going to FanDuel Sportsbook, take a look at player points you go down and say okay clay thompson 27 and a half you know jordan pool 24 and a half makes some sense Damian lillard 37 and a half points Now, I did this about two weeks ago before the All-Star break. I saw a high total from Blitter and go, Hops, come on, man. Like, he has to do everything right to get it. Well, he did everything right and got that here. How do you approach this? Because when I look at Dame Lillard at 37 and a half, my first inclination is like, that's ridiculous. It's 37 and a half points. He could score 33 with a great night, not even come close to that. And then I go, oh, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm going to roll over in the morning. And Dame had 39 at the break. This guy just had 71 points. So it's not outlandish where, as I tell you before, When you're hot as a player, you want to stay hot. You don't score 71 points, Kevin, and go, Hey, tonight, I'm going to dish. You can score 12 points, and hopefully I get double-digit assists. Not the case. You just ride the hot hand, but how much is enough here? At 37 and a half points. Dame averages
3: a full four less points per game on the road this season. A full four less points per game. He has played four road games since January 10th. He's on a 20-game run where he's averaging 39 points per game. But 16 of those have been at home. In his 19 road games, this being a road game, only four times has he scored 38+. plus. This is when you come back under. If he goes for 70 Mm. again... So be it. <laughs> I'm going to look to get under with Lillard now as he hits the road here. If he goes for 72. Hey, look, sometimes you go for 71 and people hey, say look, you go yeah. for 72. I am on <laughs> Lillard under free, 37 at a, a half tonight.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh,
3: Still a lot to preview here tonight on the NBA slate as it is a packed one here on a Tuesday, closing out the month of February. We begin with the Atlanta Hawks and the Washington Wizards. Perhaps the debut for Quinn Snyder tonight. Atlanta is a seven-point favorite at home, 234 and a half. Donnie, you've mentioned caution a couple of times on this board. I wonder if it would be wise to... Withy things out and let Quinn Snyder kind of get adjusted to what he wants to do with this Atlanta team. But on the other end of it, how much is Quinn Snyder really looking to burst in and start chopping up his exact rotations and things like that? You have to coach. This is your organization. You've got a five-year deal. Nobody's under contract from now until the end, more so than Quinn Snyder with Atlanta. But also, this team has now come out of the break playing Two pretty good games, scoring a lot of points in those two games there. It's interesting to see how much of an impact Snyder will have and how quickly we're going to be able to see that impact resonate.
4: Yeah, that's where the focal point comes by, right? The FanDuel Sports, we could try to take a look at some player points props here tonight. Trey Young listed at 26 and a half back-to-back games, over 30 points. You know, we'll play devil's advocate, right? You see Trey Young couldn't get along with his previous coach. The previous coach is gone, interim guy steps in, and oh my goodness. Look at the offense going up and down the court. Trey Young looks like he's happy. Quinn Snyder comes in in the second quarter, benches Trey Young because he's not running his offense, apparently. That's not going to happen mm-hmm. here. The reason mm-hmm. why he's there is because he feels like he can work with Trey Young. What's the best way to work with Trey Young? Let him play in the moment and do his superstar things that he tends to do and keep him happy. I look at that as a total there in that mid-230s range. You're going to get points tonight. And also, riding the hot hand. And as I said, being a little facetious. There's no way that Snyder's coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to put restrictor plates here on Trey Young so he can't run up and down the court. You're going too fast, Trey. Why don't you play within yourself? Not the case here. I look for Trey Young again eclipsing that points mark here. He's going to go for high 20s and cash that in.
3: I'm really tempted on the Dejounte Murray numbers. Who's seen his volume increase since the All-Star break here? 11 of 19 against Cleveland for 25 points, and then 12 for 21 against Brooklyn for 28 points here. You know, Dejounte Murray was brought in to be not as important as Trey Young, but he's supposed to be right there with him, right? The the worry I have about both the Dejounte number and the Trey number, though. And again, I think they both look like they line up. This is a team that's last two games have scored 136 points. At 129 points. Now, the, the team total tonight's 121.5, but that's still a decent ways away from that number. Let's say tonight they score 115. That's significantly less than what they have been doing in their two games against the break. It skews your numbers there a little bit, but an interesting game there for the potential Quinn Snyder debut. Milwaukee tonight goes to Brooklyn as they take on the Nets. The Nets in this game are catching five. Total for this one is 231.5. I would anticipate still no Giannis Antetokounmpo being available here for the Brooklyn Nets, though that is not officially official.
4: No, it's not officially official. Also looking at the anticipated starting lineup tonight, Holiday Carter, Allen, Antenacupo, and also Brooks Lopez. And yes, that's Giannis, not Thanasis, in the starting lineup anticipated. But a lot of things are due to change. And also, Kevin, you take a look at Milwaukee. They haven't lost 13 in a row where you got to rush Giannis back out here. You're on a big-time win streak. You should be fine if you have to give him an extra day of rest, which might be able to play off. But also for Brooklyn, look, they – I haven't really played all that well, let's just say, over the past five to six games. They didn't even show up against the Chicago Bulls, but they did put up a fight there against Atlanta here, only losing by two points. Is this a bounce-back spot here? Because you look at Milwaukee, oh, they're only favored by five points, but Brooklyn is at home here and not on the road. But also, what are you checking into here? Giannis playing or not playing, does it matter all that much? Sure, it does. When Giannis plays and he's healthy, pencil him for 27, 13, and 6. When he's not in there... That's still a really good basketball team. So the one way I would approach this again, you're going up against a Brooklyn team. That's not great on defense. You see that total, Kevin, in the 230s. If Giannis is out, who does that usually point us to? It's usually Drew Holiday who really steps up. Past two games, 33 points, 24 points here. Even before the break there against Chicago, 15 points, 40 points versus Boston. I think he can score tonight. That's what I'm waiting on. It's the Giannis effect. If he's playing, I'm not going to take Drew Holiday. If he's not, I'll take Drew Holiday.
3: And as you mentioned, there are Giannis props available. I'm sure I'm becoming Mm -hmm. a little redundant here in my Brooklyn breakdowns, but I cannot quit the Cam Johnson prop uh, on three-point range here. Here's the thing (laughs) with Cam Johnson. Over in Phoenix, he had shot 45.5% from beyond the arc. It was only 17 games, okay? Last year, he shot it at 42.5%. In his five games in a Nets uniform, he's shooting it at a 30% clip. But the irrelevant number is he's shooting eight threes per game. In Cam Johnson's career, when he shoots eight or more threes, he hits at least three threes just under 80% of the time over his last two seasons. So that's with the Phoenix and then with here in Brooklyn. I am betting Cam Johnson over two and a half at plus money. I, I, I bet it against Chicago and lost, so be it. Bet it against Atlanta and won. I'm back here again, and I'm telling you now, if you're someone that likes to climb the ladder, one of these games, a near-career 40% three-point shooter is going to turn his eight, nine, ten attempts into five makes, f- at least four makes. Plus, For four-plus is plus 330, and for five-plus is plus 750 if you feel like climbing the ladder on Cam Johnson. We get to the Dallas duo here, Kyrie and Luka Doncic tonight, our six-and-a-half-point favorites, now climbing up actually the seven and a half point favorites against the Indiana Pacers total is what you would expect for this one here 236 and a half I'm inclined to expect Kyrie Irving to bounce back after a really poor shooting performance against the Los Angeles Lakers his points prop late last night was 24 and a half that number has now climbed up to 25 and a half as Kyrie needs to play well here in a game that the Mavericks simply should not be losing
4: Yeah, it feels like another one of those referendum-type games here for the Mavericks, where it hasn't worked out particularly in the end, and also, you had a massive lead against the Los Angeles Lakers who let that slip through. That's going to ring through the locker room, and I like that because that means it could be one of those trifecta games here. First quarter Mavericks, first half Mavericks, full game Mavericks here. If you're going to look at the Mavericks team, team as a whole, If they just squeak by the Pacers, you're still going to have all those same issues here. Sure, a win is a win, but I expect a big-time performance for the Mavericks. because They're hearing everything as well. Heck, we're even bringing up on the show, like, ah, maybe they don't do that well, and they miss the playoffs, and Kyrie is off in the offseason. Let's forget about all that. It's about tonight's game. They should be able to score against the Pacers, do whatever they want. I look for the Mavericks by margin, which means a double-digit victory for me tonight.
3: Uh, which, again, certainly the requirement there, laying 7.5 in this spot against Dallas. Mm-hmm. The Mavs really uh, have no business losing this game. We'll see how they bounce back and respond uh, to what was a, really a, a disastrous collapse against the L.A. Lakers. Uh, we've got another interesting one out here in the West as the Rockets and the Nuggets are going to play. Why is it interesting? Well, it's it's Nikola Jokic, right? Denver's a 10.5-point favorite in this game right now. The Jokers' props are listed 24.5 points, 12-and-a-half rebounds, 10-and-a-half assists. The expectation <laughs> for Nikola Jokic is another triple-double. He is minus 110 to record a triple-double in this game against the Houston Rockets.
4: Yeah, it feels like you better get in the first half, Kevin, right? How many times do you want to see this? You know, the Denver Nuggets up 17 points late in the fourth, excuse me, late in the third quarter. Like, oh, how many minutes am I actually going to get out of Jokic here entering into the fourth quarter? 232.5 in that low 230s range. I think it makes some sense here where these guys can go over the total. But again... The Rockets make me nervous. It's one of those teams where, sure, they're not going to play defense. They're going to run up and down the court. I get it. But if you're getting smoked, how long do we need to see Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Aaron Gordon in the lineup for? That's the only thing I worry about on the props end of it here. If I'm looking from a total perspective, sort of like that, do I want them to win by double digits? Figure they will, but one of those games where I don't want to mess with because I've seen it too many times. If the Nuggets blow them out, all of my props go up in flames, typically.
3: What I will say is, Jokic averages a triple double in wins. He averages 11 assists per game in their wins. Minus 110 for the triple double. They're a monstrous favorite in the game. There's a connection you can make there. But I like the Rockets team total here against Denver. The number is 109 and a half. Houston has not played a home game now. In 20 days, it's been three weeks since they've last played a home game with the break and things of that nature. They've gone for 111-plus in four consecutive home games in six of their last eight. Denver's not been a good team at covering numbers on the road, booked as a favorite, just 6-11 ATS. If the Rockets are going to hang here, I think it's with a better offensive performance. I'm going to look towards their team total. We've got another interesting spot in the West here, the Thunder and the Kings. This OKC number's just two and a half the two-and-a-half points they're catching from Sacramento. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been ruled mm-hmm. out for this basketball game. That means, Donnie, that when you rip through this Sacramento-anticipated starting lineup, there should be some key names missing.
4: Sacramento, Fox, Herder, Barnes, Marion Sabonis, Kevin. How about that? Hmm. Interesting. He names missing.
3: Uh, I mean, uh, if Aaron Fox is going to have to miss this game, I believe he has a day-to-day tag because there's no world that this should be a a two-and-a-half line here with SGA
4: confirmed out. And also keep in mind, so, well, how about this? They're playing again in Oklahoma city. One of those scheduling quirks where there's no travel. You played them. You took a day off. You're going to play them again in your own building and you won the previous time. And SGA is out. But having said that the total is way up there, which is going to be a great prop game. If you want to get back in on Josh Giddy, who didn't play all that well in his last performance points, rebounds and assists should be up there. Isaiah Joe, how many three point shots is he going to be able to take tonight here? If he's in the starting lineup for the Oklahoma city thunder, but also, is it a trap line? Doesn't it feel that way? Because also Sacramento's not coming into this game playing poorly. They're right in the thick of things here in the Western Conference to be in the top four seed. Again, Kevin, what are we missing here? So here, here's the deal: Fox is
3: questionable. He has to be out for this game, for this to be the number. Because as you said, they just pardon me, they just played. And that wasn't the number. So it doesn't really make any sense. And <clears throat> The gap between SGA, that's your guy, Donnie. Shouldn't this be 20? Where'd my voice go? Ten seconds left here. It was on the show, basically. And the whole thing disappears.
4: Yeah, yeah. That's the way it is at this point here. Or maybe the people just, that's, you know, the people telling you that D.R.S. is the NBA guy. Let him spin when he's hot, especially in a game that might not have SGA, which is a big time disappointment. But the tempo should be there at this point. But you're right. Are we holding in a holding pattern here where Darren Fox about three o'clock goes, Hey, he's upgraded the probable. Then we see that line three and a half, four and a half, five and a <clears> half in that range. Now it still is a road game and it's hard to win, but I also, when we started the show, you take a look at the Lakers trying to hang in there. Sure. They want to make the playoffs. We don't think the Oklahoma city thunder want to make the playoffs by any shape, stretch or form. So that gives mm-hmm. me the King's advantages here. And even if you don't want to take the game, Sabonis is probably going to put up massive numbers tonight.
3: Yeah, he, he should Fox, I don't know, it was four last game. If he's out, I guess it makes sense. Isaiah Joe, by the way, has started four times this year for OKC. He has scored 23-plus in three out of those four games. So something to keep your eye on. The other two games, Donnie, that we've not been able to get to just yet are Utah and San Antonio uh, as the Jazz get to play the Spurs. Once again, they're a nine-point favorite, total 236.5. And then the other game is an East Coast matchup there with Toronto laying four and a hook to the Chicago Bulls, totals 220. Are you looking at either of those games?
4: It just feels like you'd probably take like a team total. Utah's not even that good, but everybody who plays the Spurs just really gets off on offense, which is why that is close to 240. Here's yeah. the total. Isn't that the way we're going? Like Chris Dunn's big night. You wish that was going to be with the Lakers, but obviously it might be with Utah.
3: Look, uh, the Spurs have lost, but, you, but Don, if you had the ballpark, do you know how many games in a row the Spurs have lost? Uh, I'm going to go with 17. How about that? 16 in a row. No, almost. Yeah. But, Donnie, usually when a team loses 16 in a row, it's headline news. The Spurs are so bad. We're like, yep, sounds about right. Listen up.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
5: i <laughs> All
4: right, last segment of the day here for a Tuesday morning on the Early Line Series XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Network. Donnie and Kevin, as always, 7 to 9 a.m., getting you ready for the rest of your Sports Grid day, which includes the morning after coming up with Ben Stevens, so make sure you tune into that. A lot of hot topics today to go over. The NBA certainly taking center stage, but also how about college basketball out here? The conference tournaments are underway with even more conferences getting underway today. As I take a look here, what do we got? The A-Sun. The Horizon, the Sunbelt, and the Patriot. So four underway next week, I know. We get the Power Five conferences in and some day basketball that we can watch, which will be sensational and on the way to March Madness here. But sometimes when we take a look at the combine starting, yeah, it's exciting for some. We went over that. We'll see who are the high risers and who runs fast. But how about this? We're talking about money in college football, and it's not the NIL. We're talking about the ACC and maybe some fractures in the foundation. Listen up. The issue at hand, the ACC, sure, Power 5 conferences are all about the money. Why is that? That's why we see teams like UCLA and USC saying, you know what, Pac-12, it's been fun but we're headed all the way to the Midwest focused Big 10 why? Because money drives everything. The ACC, certainly. You look at Florida State and Clemson, very unhappy with the landscape of the ACC, not because they have an easy schedule every year, but they're going to lag behind here in product. How about this? The SEC and the Big 10 are going to get about $30 million more year per school with their new ACC packages, excuse me, SEC packages, ESPN packages and media rights here. And Rightfully so. Florida State has been known to be looking around now. Do you want to jump to the SEC? How about to another conference? Who is going to pay more at this point? And rightfully so. Let's also keep an eye here on Clemson, but also the Miami Hurricanes who came into the ACC as supposed to be one of those powerhouse programs on the field and just haven't produced here. Lagging behind in revenue, the top schools in your conference certainly will be looking to leave. Let's see what happens over the next couple years in the ACC if they can handle their business off the field as opposed to on it. Tune out for the morning after coming up with Ben Stevens right here
1: on Sports Grid Network.